We'll invite you to go with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be here this evening in verses 7 through 11. 1 John 2 verses 7 through 11. I'll go ahead and share the notes for this week, so hopefully you can take a look at those as we walk through this together. Again, we have been working through a series of key questions. Uh, the first being, what does this say to the original audience? We want to understand what God is saying to the people he's originally writing this to. Secondly, what does this mean for us or to us? Thirdly, what does this teach us about God himself, the nature of God or what God does? Uh, fourthly, what does this teach us about us, uh, human nature, how we relate to one another? And then fifthly, we look, is there anything surprising in this passage? As we walk through the book of John, uh, you may remember or you may not remember that John is dealing with a central problem in the church, and it's the idea of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism says uh, that Jesus isn't enough. We need some level, level of higher knowledge, and the people with the secret knowledge are the people that really know, and the gospel isn't enough. And so then John writes, and he gives us three tests to help us know how we can know if we know Christ. Again, he's not teaching primarily how to come to know Christ, but how do we know if we actually do know Christ? He's, address, he's addressing uh, the question of confidence or of certainty. He has these three tests. The truth test, which is, do you believe the truth of the gospel? Do you believe the truth about Jesus? Secondly, the life test. Do you live in a way that shows that you know Jesus? And then thirdly, the love test. Do you love God's family? So here we are in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. I'll read these, and then we will uh, work our way through them. 1 John 2, verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So as we walk through this, we'll see uh, John hold up these two commandments. In verse 7, the old commandment. Verse 8, the new commandment. And then he goes back to a familiar strategy. He, he poses this hypothetical claim, a false claim, someone who says they walk in the light but hates the brothers. And then he answers that twice, by once by saying, we know we actually walk in the light when we love God's family. And secondly, when we hate our brothers, we're walking in darkness. And so what we'll see here together is that loving the family of God demonstrates that God is our father. Loving the family of God demonstrates that God is our father. So as we walk through these verses together, the first thing that you note here in verse 7 is, is the term that John uses as he addresses the church. It's the term beloved or dear friends. This is the first of six times that we'll see John use this particular term. And it's, it's a term that shows his deep affection for these people. He is writing to them and, and seeking really to help his own family. And, and that's appropriate because of what he's about to jump into. And so as he writes, he makes a distinct claim that what he's writing isn't new. It's the same gospel, the same word from God that they've always heard. I'm writing to you no new command, but it's an old command. And in fact, he goes, he goes back even further and he says, it's the same command that you have, that, the, that you've had from the beginning. And so 
Uh, from the beginning, again, this is uh, at least the second time we've seen John use this in this book, in, 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 uh, in his gospel. He starts with these words, in the beginning, John roots everything historically in the past. And so he sees the nature of Christ and of the gospel as rooted in God's plan uh, from the very beginning. So this could be referring to creation itself, like uh, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. It could be uh, referring to some time in eternity past when God began the work in the gospel. But what we see here is that John is demonstrating there's continuity between what they already know and what he's telling them now. It's the same message. And so it appears to be that what he's referring to is that God's word has been consistent throughout the ages. And so the same message that he has now is the message they already know. Now keep that in mind. John says it's not a new command. It's an old command. Now you remember that fifth question that we have, that question where we say, is there anything surprising here? So let's look at verse eight. First, John says, this isn't a new command. It's an old command. And then in verse eight, he says, at the same time, it is a new command that I'm writing to you. Now it's like, wait a second, John, make up your mind. Is this new or is this old? Well, what is the seeming contradiction? The contradiction is that in verse seven, he says, it's not new. And in eight, he says, it is new. So how do we reconcile this? It seems like this is an apparent contradiction here between uh, what he's saying. Well, one way we work through this is, is to know, okay, it must be both old and new, but it must be old in one sense and new in another sense. So it's not old and not new, but both old and new. So if John hasn't confused you by now, you aren't following along. So how do we work our way through this? Well, it's old in the sense of what we just said. God's commands never change. Uh, God's commands from the beginning of time, his character never changes. It's the same thing that, uh, that, that James teaches, that God never changes. There's not one shadow, one shade of change in God's character. And because God's character never changes, his will never changes, and so his word to us never changes. It's the same. But at the same time, it is new. Now, when Jesus in Matthew 22 was asked to summarize God's law, God's will, how did he do that? He said, there are two primary commands. You can sum up all the law and the prophets in these two commands. Love God with all your heart. And secondly, do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So God's command, and, and these are drawn from the law, from the Old Testament law, one from Deuteronomy, one from Leviticus. And so God's commands, God's will has never changed. He's always willed that we love him most and then love one another sacrificially. But there is now something new about this command. And Jesus himself told us this when in John chapter 13, Jesus is nearing the end of his life, washing the disciples' feet. He's teaching them about what it looks like to sacrificially love one another. And there he uses similar wording. He says, a new commandment I give you. Same kind of language. Now John writes here and he says, this is new. Well, what is the command that Jesus gives? That you love one another. Now, is that a new idea? Loving one another. No, we've said that's been God's will from the beginning. He revealed it in the old custom, the old covenant law already. So why then does Jesus say this is a new commandment? Well, let's think about this. Is there any difference 
in the way God's people experience relationship with God and relationship with one another in the old covenant and in the new covenant? Well, certainly. What happens? Well, Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 tell us that the new covenant is when God writes his law on our hearts. How does he do that? He puts his spirit within us. So under the old covenant, we experience God's law without God's spirit. Yet in the new covenant, we take these same commands and we experience them in a completely new way. So we're not hearing anything new. God's will is that we love one another. That's been his will forever. But our experience of this is completely new. It's what Galatians 4 talks about, that God puts within his children the spirit who witnesses that God is our father. And Romans 8 tells us that he also witnesses between Christians that we're brothers and sisters. There's this invisible, intangible, yet completely real bond that God's people have through the spirit of God. So it's the very same historic word of God that we've had since the beginning. God's will is that we love him and love each other. But it emphasizes that Christians now experience this in a new way. It's a new age. And think about all of the advantages that we have. Hebrews tells us that, that when God's old covenant people saw what God was doing, they saw it like as a shadow or through a mirror dimly. They couldn't see there. Their eyes were blind. And yet now we see it clearly through Christ. And as God's spirit, 1 Corinthians teaches us, opens our eyes to see. So the very same commands we experience in an entirely new way. And then how does John explain this at the end of verse 8? He said, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So Christ is coming and he's crushing the darkness. Darkness is what? It's sin. The light generally is goodness, and Jesus specifically. John chapter 1. So John's gospel, not this letter. John 1 verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. It's a reference to Jesus coming as the light. So if Jesus has come in light, how then does this serve as any sort of test for whether we know if we know Christ? Well, he tells us in verses 9, 10, and 11, look at verse 9. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Well, what's John's focus here? His focus is what we've seen from him consistently. Our words and our living must match. They must make sense together. In other words, if we say we love our brother, or we say we know God, but hate our brother, we don't know God. So in verse 4 and verse 6, he's already hit, hit this. He says, whoever says, I know him, but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. So to claim we know God, but not walk according to God's will and according to God's ways is to walk, to live a lie. So in this verse, what is it that shows whether we walk in darkness? It's, it's what he says, it's to hate our brothers and sisters in Christ. So if we say we know Jesus, but despise fellow Christians, we're living as though we're in darkness. So what kind of questions might this raise for us? Well, do I love 
brothers and sisters? Do I love the family of God? Are there any brothers and sisters that I don't love, that, that I hate? Well, what about when I don't love someone enough? Or can I love someone but not like them? How do we process this? When have I despised someone too much to be a Christian? Well, these are okay questions, but they're not the best questions. A better question would be, is the word of God informing and shaping my life in a way that I do love other people? Not how much is okay to get away with, but is God's word shaping me in a way that I do love other people? So verse 10 gives his first answer. So this is the, the, the false statement that you can hate, hate your brother and, and walk in the light. Verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So John does this a lot. He gives one statement, then he gives the flip statement in the very next verse. And he gives us three characteristics of the person who loves. This person walks, abides, lives in the light. He reflects the character of Christ. So you look at Jesus, the light, and this person walks according to the light and abides in the light and then reflects that light. He also doesn't cause others to stumble because his way of life is loving and compelling others see the genuineness of Christ in him and are drawn to Christ himself. He also stands out from the hypocrites because he is clearly in the light. You don't have to ask him, are you walking in the light? He doesn't have to tell you because you can see it. You can see in his life that he knows Jesus. You can see in the way he walks in the light, it's light. His life is characterized by the light of Christ. Then verse 11 gives another sad contrast, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because darkness has blinded his eyes. What's the, sad, the saddest truth of all for the person who doesn't love the brothers and sisters? The sad truth is, is that for this person, they're blind. The, the worst penalty is for them. They can't see. And because they can't see, they stumble. So the person who walks in the light leads others to the light. But the person who walks in darkness stumbles and is himself blind. As you walk through life, and we all, I'm sure, know people who, for one reason or another, perhaps have walked away from their relationship with Christ. And there are two typical reasons that people do this. One is that they begin to question the truth of Christianity. Can these claims be true? And they investigate that in a way that, they, that leads them to reject God's word. But a second person doesn't reject the truth of God's word. Rather, they reject the way that God's word uh, compels them to live. They reject uh, the, the moral expectations of scripture. They love sin, embrace sin, and because they embrace sin, they reject Christ. So what we see here over and over in John's gospel is that the gospel affects the way that we live. And if it doesn't, we don't truly understand the gospel. Or as we said at the beginning, if we love the family of God, it demonstrates that God is our father. So the good news is, if you miss seeing your brothers and sisters and worshiping with your brothers and sisters, that's not just a, that is human, but it's not merely human. It's also an evidence that God's love lives in you.